Hey guys, it's Lisa and Rebecca from the Secret Life of Weddings podcast. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, a wedding podcast. It's it's really not what you think. Not at all. We tell the world's craziest true wedding stories. This is insanity. Like we're talking the bride is pregnant with the best man's baby. A man dunks his entire head into a chocolate fountain. Lisa's not kidding. This stuff is legit crazy. Come check us out in the Secret Life of Weddings podcast. And remember, anything can happen at weddings. And we will be here to tell you all about it. Hey, I'm Dustin. And this is Steve. And you're listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast and a reverent look at wedding photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. We do have a little bit of follow-up, and then I'll get to asking you what that disgusting mouth sound was you just made into the microphone. Dustin, the only the only follow-up we have from last week is, did you buy a Mavic Air yet? I did not, Steve. I did not. Unfortunately, I'm buying a house this week, and in, a, in an attempt to be in a responsible adult, I am uh, trying not to buy any more gear than I already have in these first few weeks of the year. To sell that Phantom and buy a Mavic, right? That's a swap. That's not a... No. <laughs> no. I really like my my beautiful Phantom 4 Pro. I know you're probably not going to ask me this, but no, I'm not selling my Mavic Pro and buying a <laughs> Mavic Air. And also, no, I haven't actually flown the Mavic Pro yet either. <laughs> I'm just at this point, I feel like it kind of goes without question. Yeah. Someday we're just going to be like, and Steve finally flew it and it crashed it and now it's broken. Done. No, I'm waiting for it to go for sale and be like in the ad to read something like beautiful Mavic Pro never flown. <laughs> doesn't pristine in box with target receipt you're making some gross mouth sounds over there what are you drinking tonight because i noticed it wasn't just your typical vodka clear liquid uh i have a little bit of a headache tonight so i am drinking a little uh devil's breath as i call it uh tequila margarita you have a headache tonight yeah. I don't know if you know about this thing. It's called the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast. It's a reverent look at the wedding photography industry. And very much like aspirin, it can help you recover from your hangover. That's that's why I'm here, Steve. I'm here to recover. Pushing that out there for you. You don't need the tequila. You got me and, and yourself. Between you, me, and the tequila, I'll be healed by the end of this. Very nice. What do you got over there, Steve? Steve, what's what's drizzling down your lips? Well, Dustin, this weekend I was in Grand Rapids for my cousin's mm. wedding. And while I was there, I uh, picked up a six-pack of New Holland Brewing Company's Cabin Fever. Ooh. How's that little tasty fever-like? Oh, it is It is beautiful. It's a nice, robust brown taste. It's a brown ale, so it makes sense. But uh, it's smooth. Better than the fever that everyone else is getting around here. Because you've been transporting oh. the fever from place to place. Oh, another... Another bit of follow-up. How many people did you get sick last week when you were taking the flu all around town? <laughs> Let's just say the city of Indianapolis is now on quarantine. You live in Fort Wayne. I like to infect us all, Steve. Infect us all with my wife, who is patient zero. Well, let's move along. 
This week, Dustin, I got two pretty cool stories. I'm just labeling it extreme wedding photography. First one comes to us from Silver Cord Photo. That was uh, on Twitter, I believe. Silver Cord Photo. Also on the Instagram is Silver Cord Photo. And that's Sally Psycho. She's going to have to get back to us about if we pronounced her name wrong. This is like the second time we've talked about her. Anyway, she tweeted at us, uh, 10 out of 10 level bravery, wedding photographer achievement unlocked, OMFG, with a link to a story on brides.com about a wedding that took place 400 feet above a canyon in Utah. Yeah, I saw this. It was, uh, I glanced over it. I think uh, Petapixel might have ran an article on this. Oh, it went viral. It was Um, all over the place. Yeah, so it, it's uh, one of those where I'm like, oh, cool. Someone really is pushing the envelope on where you can and cannot have a wedding. Uh, but I'm more thinking like props to the photographer for having the ball sack to climb out there. Or as Sally said, 10 out of 10 level bravery. Or woman sack. Woman sack to climb out there and uh, photograph. I think it was a husband-wife team. Yeah, yeah. I looked him up on Instagram. Um definitely had to have some kind of coordination between the two of them so they could get like that wide shot of the uh whole bridal party out there on the net over the grand canyon yeah was it the grand canyon or just a canyon oh i don't remember and the headline says a utah canyon which is why i didn't say grand canyon earlier could be Bryce Canyon or something else. So, or maybe for, maybe for legal purposes they can't say it was beautiful though. But I mean, it's just like a net suspended by like giant ropes and wires over the canyon, and it was utterly terrifying looking. I don't want to be nitpicky, but I would have done all one color for the net, personally. Not black and then rainbow colored once you got out to uh, where they were standing. Yeah, yeah, I would have done like all white or all black for sure. Um, I would have not done it because that is terrifying and I don't want to die. There was literally a hole in the net. And at one point in time, you see them transition from where they were standing for the wedding with the hole like behind the groom to the next photo on the brides.com thing. And we'll, we'll link up this uh, the article in the show notes. And they move from where the wedding took place to the edge of the net where they are Mm. dangling their feet off the net, 400 feet off the uh, floor of the canyon. No safety harnesses or anything. So they have gone from walking past a hole in the net, which would have led to certain death and was definitely person-sized, to the very edge of the net where death is just waiting for them. The Grim Reaper had to just be standing there, just Waiting to take them, take them, take them mm. to heaven or hell. I, I'm not going to judge wherever they want to go. No judgment. Mm. Could have been a nice bar in Utah. Speaking of uh, extreme wedding photography, you also brought us an article about a couple who got married on the outskirts of what looks to be a volcano. Yes. So the Nebreja Bros Media um, shot a wedding and the behind the wedding it was in the philippines and a volcano was erupting like throughout the whole day and so they got some super awesome epic photos of that volcano erupting 
this also went viral all across the interwebs. And we're going to include a link to the Facebook post for them because I didn't see a blog post or anything like that. It looks like they only posted to Facebook. You can click through to take a look at the photos. And did you look at them, Dustin? I did. I did. Um, it was not to call anyone out. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm an internet bully. Um, Dustin, are you going to be mean to someone? I thought they were really great. I thought they were really awesome. Dustin, are you going to be mean to someone? <laughs> the editing just wasn't my particular style. Yeah. My taste. That's okay. That's not really mean. You can say you don't like a certain style or taste. But no, I thought the, uh, I, I actually, uh, I thought the volcano scenario was scarier to me than the hanging with the rope over Utah's canyon, simply because I'm like, you have no idea, like, that volcano could erupt and just wipe you out. Yeah, because, you know, when I look at a bunch of thin little wires for a net over a 400-foot drop, I'm really thinking to myself, oh, yeah. None of these will break. I'm not going to die right now. Somebody's not going to trip while they're walking on the net and bump into me and knock me straight off the edge right now. I would have definitely had some sort of harness scenario on me personally as a photographer if I was doing that wedding. I would have had some carabiner lock and jock and brock and robot system jacked into the side of that cliff. Oh, oh this just in from uh, producer Jen Van Elk. They were strapped into the net. She's listening to everything we say. Love that live listener, Jennifer Van Elk. Man, this ruins it for me. So it's just, they photoshopped the harnesses out. Ugh. Man, takes that whole photojournalism element out of the scenario. I like to think that people were confronting death. All right, moving on <laughs> to Steve's rant of the week. It's not a rant. Uh, I just put in... Oh, Steve's rant of the week. I just put in... To the show notes that Vimeo has changed up their uh, structure, their pricing structure. It used to be as a basic or free user, you could upload up to 500 megabytes per week. You only got one upload of the however many uploads you did per week that was allowed to be HD. Mm -hmm. The other like nine, if you were to like really crush your videos down so you get a ton up there in one week under 500 megabytes, the other nine would be limited to SD quality. They either didn't have a limit or the limit was like 20 or 50 gigs for storage. So you could like consistently upload videos every single week at 500 megabytes for a while before hitting any sort of limitation with that. And I got an email the other day saying that they were capping it now at five gigabytes of account storage and that I was over the account storage limit and they weren't going to take any of my videos off, but I wouldn't be able to upload new videos. And all I could think is, I haven't been on Vimeo in like two, three years. Maybe this is just a good time to quit altogether. I've never been a fan of Vimeo, personally. I, I have been on Vimeo from the get-go with our company and have always loved the, the clean, polished feel of it. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas YouTube, which is, seems to be where everyone's headed, including you, uh, I've just never loved all the ads that are just propelled at it, which obviously is how people make money. It's how YouTube makes money, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why Vimeo is doing this, because they can't just host free content forever, because they don't do ads. 
Yeah, it's a shame that uh, someone like Facebook or Apple doesn't come along and just cannibalize Vimeo and turn it into a... Why would they want to do that? More widespread system. There's a reason why Vimeo's not seeing much success, and that's because people don't like the way it works. Yeah, but it's definitely the best viewing as far as online content goes. It is good for that. I, I'll agree. I, I would still prefer YouTube. Boom. Get those 4K Boom. videos no, right too away. Late. It's too late. You already agreed. <laughs> you already agreed. Saying something's best for your website is not the same as saying something's best as a viewer sitting in front of your TV, clicking through to the app. When was the last time you watched mm. a video on Vimeo? Just today. Was it one of your own? Possibly. Mm -hmm. Were you downloading it so then we could <laughs> post it to the YouTube? Was that what? Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <Gotcha>. Nailed. Done. <laughs> Oh, but yes, I have been told countless times by other professionals that I need to start migrating all of our stuff over to YouTube because by professionals, do you mean me every time we talk about video and social, social networks and platforms? Uh, you would definitely fall into one of those people. Yes. I mean, if you want your video to be found seen, <laughs> seen. seen, it needs to be on YouTube. And if you want your video to be seen and quickly scrolled past, then put it on Facebook. That's how video works. Yeah. Or see, if you don't put it on Facebook and you put it on Vimeo or YouTube, no one sees well, it. You just uh, get down on the ground and pray that the good Lord brings some visitors to your website so they'll see it. Yeah, absolutely. So earlier in the show, we mentioned that I had a headache. And so a friend of mine mentioned I should buy some blue light glasses. Uh, this is the first time I'd heard of such a thing. So I'd done uh, a little bit of research and came across a company that makes, I guess you might say, designer uh, glasses designed to filter out the blue light from your monitor and devices that cause um, irritation in the eyes. Um, thus helping you sleep better and not have headaches. Uh, Steve, I was wondering, being that you stare at your iPhone and scroll through Instagram every day, all day, uh, you've ever thought about doing something like this or had similar experience? No, because there is something called night shift that you can turn on on your computer and also on your phones, and it'll, as the sun sets, just shift over the colors so they're less blue and more yellow. So if that was a worry for me, I would do that. So I saw that you said that in the show notes, but it makes m m the computer doing it concerns me, especially if I'm color grading or I'm editing photos. The computer doing it concerns you if you're color grading or editing photos, but it doesn't concern you to put glasses on that are blue light glasses. I would just take the glasses off if that's what I was doing. Continuing. Oh, you just go to settings and you turn night shift off. Done. The other thing I put in there was a Flux, F period Lux, which is a third party thing that made something for Mac computers that did this before Apple instituted it. And um, they're still in existence somehow after Apple came out with Night Shift. I don't know how. So do you use Night Shift, Steven? I used Flux for a while before Night Shift came out. Then I switched over to using Night Shift and I found that my eyes adjust to the yellow to the point where you're flipping back to the blue makes it look unnatural. So if I'm editing stuff on my phone at night, to me, I thought it would be a big deal having like the weird color thing, but I haven't mm -hmm. seen any sort of difference in how I edit or anything. If I look back at those photos in the light of day, 
I've never thought to myself, I got the colors wrong or I need to change it. But on my computer, I do not use night shift. I try not to be on the computer very much at night unless I am doing a podcast with you. So I just try to limit computer time. So that's why your photos are so cool. Cool? Your photos have such a cool hue to them. <laughs> yes, I, I, if that's what you want to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. All right, we'll table that one. I might have to pick up a pair of glasses and we'll follow up on that. All righty, that sounds great. I would love for you to buy another failing thing from Kickstarter or wherever. Do you have any more Kickstarter failures you want to uh, tell everybody about? I finally got one of these. What, what is that, Dustin? Dustin, this is an audio podcast. You're holding something up to the video feed for me to look at. It is that loop display. Oh, yeah, the one you were talking about? It shipped? I, I got it. It shipped. I got it the week before Christmas, just in time to pass out to people. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It was, unfortunately, it's very dependent on a specific type of Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I did not realize this when I purchased it. Um, and whatever the router is that my grandmother has, who I bought it for, uh, it does not put out that, that type of a Wi-Fi signal. And so uh, she can't use it. So, Or she can. I just have to preload the content and then deliver it to her. So she opened it up. I, I turned it on. Just so we can bring Dustin's Kickstarter failures full circle. He bought a product that doesn't work, basically. It works at my house just fine. Um, scrolls through my Instagram feed or Facebook feed or people can send photos to it via the app. Uh, uh, can, can I send a photo to it via the app? Absolutely, Steve. Absolutely. Don't have it on in front of your oh. wife and daughter. <laughs> exactly why you shouldn't which is why you're not giving me the the thing so i can exactly but yeah it's uh it's a cool little toy uh definitely has some kinks that you need to be worked out but um i haven't played with it enough but essentially it's just an ipad uh in a box but to be clear everybody i am looking at it and unlike my drone, this is out of the box. Got three of them sitting here behind me. <laughs> are two more of those or just one more of those gifts for somebody that have uh, not been given out or that they couldn't use because they have the wrong Wi-Fi? Uh, yeah, so the other one is a gift for my father for his birthday. And coincidentally, uh, because we'd already gotten him a gift for Christmas, that's why we didn't give it to him for Christmas. He asked about it on Christmas. Wasn't there a gift that you were supposed to give me last year? Some sort of photo viewer <laughs> thing? And I was like, shit. <laughs> I was like, shit, we should have, uh, should I, I guess, uh, returned your other gifting, just giving you that. All right, let's move on to our newest, new, not quite so new segment. Uh, Dustin, you didn't hear? Questions, answers, questions, answers. You didn't hear what I did questions. in the last episode, did you, right? No, because I don't listen to yeah, this podcast. Yeah, I cut out every... I cut out you seeing questions and answers. <laughs> Steve, how could you? And, and I put how in music. Steve. Let's do some Q&A. But, but Steve. All right. Lamel from Facebook Groups. Uh, is it Lamel no or is it Lemuel? Lemuel. Lemuel. From Facebook groups, my clients yesterday. Whoa! Not today. Uh, you can't, not you can't bust out the Lemuel and then read it like my clients. 
Stay in the I character. Pr- I assume Come on. that's how he's that's how he speaks. Stay in Lemuel's character. Right. <clears throat> Lemuel from Facebook groups asks my clients, yesterday I lost 4K to a previous photographer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 4K that is four thousand dollars to a previous photographer that closed his business recently. He was pretty upset for them. But the kicker is the photographer that closed his business was a preferred vendor by the venue that the couple had booked through. Um, the couple didn't do their due diligence and they booked him because of the venue. But when he closed his business down, they then did look into him and do some research. And they saw that he had a one star rating with couples, multiple couples complaining that he did not deliver their photos over the course of two years. He asks, is the venue also culpable for what happened to them since they pref- they recommended a guy who was getting one star reviews and wasn't delivering photos for two years and how can a venue be promoting a guy that's this bad at running his business great question lumuel um lumuel uh so i've i am a strong advocate of just throwing away the list that venues give you when dustin isn't on it when he's on it keep that list that's the only thing that matters exactly Keep that, frame it, put it next to your bed. Um, Stare at it every night, stroke it lovingly. Say a little prayer while you touch Dustin's name on the list. Just sprinkle some glitter on it. And some fairy dust, and then Dustin can fly. Most of the time, a preferred vendor list, not all of the time, but many more times than not, the preferred vendor list is something that vendors have paid to be on. What? I'm saying this is always true. What? But oftentimes no. the venue will what? use this as additional revenue. No, 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 no. Where? Sometimes, Where? Steve. Name one Steve, venue. I've had several venues contact me and ask me if I'd like to pay to be on their preferred In vendor Indiana? list. Yeah. In Fort Wayne. Nine times out of nine times out of ten, they are country clubs. I, I believe it if you say country club. No offense, there are some great country clubs out there, but most country clubs are not great venues to have weddings at, period. And I do not ever look at a country club and think to myself, oh, it's probably like some real upstanding people who are out there to help out the community of people in the wedding industry. No, the country clubs are run by people who are trying to support their golf course and stuff. So right. I don't feel like they're very yeah. well connected with the community. I don't feel like they care a lot. And I feel like they no. would do stuff that's shitty like this because it doesn't really matter to them if they succeed as a venue. Uh, so contrary to your point, uh, actually where I live, uh, country clubs are some of the nicer places to have your wedding um, reception. And after speaking to some of the wedding coordinators, I just always feel so bad for them because uh, the weddings, even though they are the highest revenue thing for the country club, um, they are just so shit on as far as like management and the upper upper boss mans. They like just don't they don't care about weddings. They want nothing to do with them, but they will still want them coming in because that's what. So you said contrary to my point. Then you just reiterated my point. No, you you said that wedding is typically, it's not something you think of when you think of a country club. Whereas, no, I was saying that country clubs don't need the weddings to survive, so they don't really give a crap if the weddings are a success or a failure. 
Correct. So I would agree with you in that regard. It's, it's like you always say, who's hungry? Who's hungry for that shit? And in this case, the country club's not hungry because they got the golf and all the golf-related events. But according to current trends, golf is down 32% from 2016 to 2017. I can believe it because golf is an utterly boring sport. Whoa. So to all our European <laughs> listeners out there, I apologize. Steve is not taking your viewpoints into account on that remark. Uh, for all of our European listeners out there, I think you would all agree with me that football is a much better sport. <laughs> and I'm not talking American football. I'm talking real football. Football Americano. No, not, not Americano football. Football. So anyway, Steve, let's circle back here. Answer the question. Is the venue responsible for the bride and groom losing $4,000? No. Okay, good. You Moving can't on. ever put that on the venue if you're not going to do any research into the people on the list. There had to be more than just that guy on the list. You go through and you read the reviews. You do the work. Is is it crappy that the venue didn't take him off when he was getting terrible reviews? Yeah, that is crappy. To any any venues listening out there, uh, maybe do a little research as to the people you put onto your list, and maybe maybe just maybe you should always include Stephen and I on your list. That's uh, always a good rule of thumb to include us on all preferred vendor lists for free. This goes to our listeners in the UK and our listeners in China and our listeners in Japan. Put us on those <laughs> your preferred vendor them. lists. Every single one. If you're a photographer and you have a preferred vendor list you give to your brides, put us on there as your preferred photographer. Or your preferred videographer. That works too. Or your preferred podcast to listen to prior to getting married. Actually, yeah. Forget everything else Dustin said. Just hand out everybody you meet a list of your preferred podcasts, and it just has one thing on it, and it's just <laughs> wedding photo hangover. And when you give it to them, just give them a wink. Like, you know. You know when you see this. You know. The beer can, it's like drooling out some some beer. Some love. Because it's hungover. You, you know what you're getting into. And then give, give the person a high five. As your universe and their universe collides and creates some sort of like uber black hole and that sucks us all in and kills us all. Or you bond. You bond over it. All right. Rose, Rose on Facebook <laughs> asks, my client is demanding full payment back because they're claiming I am refusing to photograph their wedding. They are refusing to pay the remainder of their payment. They are claiming they paid it in full in cash. They did not. I have a witness. And I am not returning, blah, blah, blah. Does a return of payment constitute, constitute a nullification, a nullification of, contract? of contract? Got there, buddy. That's a, that a tough sentence at the end. Those are tough words. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of $5 words right there. Yeah. I would say a return of payment does not constitute a nullification of contract. But I don't understand how you could even consider returning payment if they didn't actually pay in cash in full right it's a it's definitely a tricky scenario um have you ever had a wedding cancel or a wedding you've uh refused service to and canceled the contract for them yes to which which case to which case we kept the deposit and said sorry and they paid in cash <laughs> they, they paid in cash Jen was the one who met with them. I did not meet with them. She said the bride 
to be showed up extremely drunk to the meeting and that the groom to be was the one who ended up canceling the uh, photography. It was a month before the wedding and asked for the deposit back. Jen told him he was not going to get his deposit back because they were a month out and she couldn't book other people, even though she'd been contacted to book that date. So that was, that was a really weird thing to get. Yeah, I've only had, uh, I've had, I want to say three weddings call off in my time doing, no, four, four weddings call off in my time doing this. And one wedding, they threw the ring into the ocean, right? Oh, if you count that one, that'd be five <laughs> weddings. Uh, that one, though, happened and then annulled it shortly after. I actually just talked to him uh, last week. The remarrying. Tell me they're remarrying. Uh, no. Back in Mexico again. No, I didn't realize this. So so I shot a wedding uh, in Mexico a couple years ago. Uh, I was doing video. And uh, this was a wedding where it was a classic scenario of someone marrying for money. And and it was just a huge cluster, if I may say so. Uh, we're trying to keep it PG. That's a cluster cuss. Cluster cuss. Yeah, we're using fantastic Mr. Fox terms. And uh, so we were flown down to Mexico to this beautiful hard rock resort. And we were, you know, trying to make this couple who clearly did not look in love, look in love. And I thought we did a pretty okay job. It was a beautiful wedding. They had it on a little island off the coast of Mexico. That evening, we found, the photographer and I, found the groom drunk poolside, uh, cussing and swearing and just going crazy. Um, and he had turned out, he had so mad, he threw his wedding ring into the pool. Not the ocean. Not the ocean, the pool, which was Oceanside. And yeah, it was just a mess. So I had found out that, you know, through the photographer that he had heard that they were going through the process of getting the wedding annulled. And I didn't realize this. And I guess neither did the groom because he must be a complete idiot. Uh, but the bride had made him sign a prenub like in the most ridiculous prenub prenup stating he had to pay her prenup prenup prenup. Gotta hit that P. But uh, he had to pay her something like $8,000 a month for 20 years, and she would get the house and the car. I mean, it was like one of those just insane contracts. And so they spent a year and a half fighting it, fighting about it with lawyers and such. How out of it was this groom that he didn't understand what was happening when she asked him to sign a prenup? But, um, yeah, so that, that was wedding number five that has since ended. But, um, no, I've had a few that have called off. Oh, wait, so did he win in the courts? Uh, he got to keep his house, um, and he, I think he had to pay her something in the sum of, like, $60,000. Wow. Yeah. And then he has to pay her, like, a, a certain amount over the next, like, couple of years. Additional to the sixty k or... Yeah, I think it all equals sixty k over the course of everything said and done. Wow, dude! Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, talk about a bad trip to Mexico. <laughs> this is a quick message message from Dustin and Steve. Don't marry somebody who makes you sign a ridiculous prenup like that. And if you do, can you add Dustin and Steve to it to make sure we get a piece of that cheddar? 
Boom, 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 People boom, don't know this, boom, but boom, uh, boom. Ooh, Dustin and Steve are willing to marry anybody <laughs> for a piece of that chatter. Just for the we weekend. Hungry. Just for the weekend. We're so hungry. Mmm, <laughs> mmm. Mm. Cheddar, cheddar cheese now. Alan from the Facebook groups. <laughs> Wait, do we do we really answer that? Uh, does a return of payment constitute a nullification of contract is what Rose asked. No. So when we have a client uh, call off a wedding, cancel a wedding for whatever reason, we always require in writing via email or mail uh, that they are releasing us from the wedding date and acknowledging that we are no longer photographing for them as clients of our company. You don't just want to like show up on the day of the wedding to one of their houses and just do photos for eight hours of whatevs? Whatevs. Well, so we had one client that called off their wedding a couple months before, uh, the closest to a wedding we've ever had a wedding called off. And they had paid 50% at that point down. And I felt so terrible for the mother because she had paid pretty much at that point paid everything. Uh, like the venue, the DJ, etc. Wow. So I told her for up to one calendar year, or maybe I said two, one or two calendar years, she could she could use that credit towards photography services in any way, shape, or form. That's very nice of you, Dustin. I mean, I mean, she paid like two grand uh, at that point. Did she use it? Us? Uh, no, she didn't use it. But what she started doing, which I didn't realize. She started giving gift cards out to her friends in the form of our services. Oh, wow. And me, being the terrible business owner I am, did not think to lay down some limitations and guidelines as to you personally can use up to $2,000 between now and a year from now. How many free shoots did you do? Uh, Luckily, it was only for one person, but she had a friend who was a realtor um who cashed in quite heavily on it is this how you got got in the game for real estate photography uh for one of the realtors we work for now yes not the one that you helped out with but so that's kind of nice it kind of worked out in the end as long as there's a recurring source of revenue there yes no it definitely worked out in the end but um no i had to cap her at like 500 bucks because i was like okay this is getting ridiculous just starting out in real estate photography, 500 bucks, is that like two houses, three? Uh, it'd be about three three houses. Not video though, just photos? Just photos, but it was actually a family session as well in there for her family. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You made the family really love you and you're like, all right, now, quick, on the down low, when your mom needs somebody for money for photography, you remind her about how great I was, right? And I will buy you all the beer you want for your next high school party. And I was like, well, this family session was $2,000. So (laughs) you will never be able to afford me for anything else. Uh, My wedding started at 10K. And my cameras shoot at 10K. What, what? No. All right, moving on. Let's go on to Alan from the Facebook groups. He asks, after editing the raw files, do you rename them when exporting the JPEGs? I know people that do to keep consecutive file numbers and not show gaps where photos were deleted? If so, how do you ever find the matching raw file if you need it later? It's a great question, Steve. What do you do in this scenario? This is something that we've been exploring as I sort of dive deep on our Lightroom workflow. Well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to alienate any of our listeners. Um, so I have working eyes 
So I can I can mm. match up those JPEGs to those raw files later because Jen and I do rename the uh, JPEGs when we export them. If you didn't have working eyes, though, this would be a legitimate problem. And I see you looking at me weirdly, and there are actually some photographers who are blind, Dustin, which is very weird, but it's also very cool. I don't know how they do it, but... Yeah, no, it does. It's a whole braille to vision to, to clicking type uh, system. Dude, if we could get a photographer who's blind to come on the podcast to explain that to us, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I'm 100% serious about this. You looked at me like I'm joking, but... As of now, we do the same as Steve. We don't rename our raw files. Wait, I said uh, we I did do for a little rename when I export to JPEG. Are you saying you when do you export to JPEG? Okay, I see what you're saying. I think the question's referring to do you rename your raw files when you? No, the question is asking them. when you export from Lightroom. You can say I'm going to rename them all as something else when they go from raw to JPEG. Right. And not leave them Correct. as, you know, DSC000001.jpg or whatever your camera names them as. Your, your camera doesn't name them Dick Pick 1, Dick Pick 2? No, does your camera? Oh, I thought, I thought you had that special camera. Dustin, did you buy your camera used? Through happen chance, back when I was in college, uh, we would rent cameras. And I would always, before a wedding, because I would rent my cameras from college because I was a poor college student trying to make as much money as I could, um, I would always rename all the information in the camera metadata as my name, my website, all that stuff, because I was an a-hole like that. I can't tell you how many other students then would go out and take photos and then have all my information embedded into their photos. <laughs> And so I would start seeing their photos pop up on their website. And whenever someone would pull it off the site, you would see all my information. Like, oh, look at this photo you took, Dustin. And I'm like, no, I didn't take that, but I'll sell it to you. Dustin, you're a terrible human being. I cannot believe you did that. I didn't do it intentionally. It wasn't like I was doing it malicefully towards my other students. It was something I did because I shot for a large wedding studio yeah. in, New in New York and it was the easiest way for the photographer when he dumped the cards to know who shot what because it was already baked into each photo. I mean, that's really smart for that. But I mean, the way it ended up working out is also kind of nefarious. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand though, because I went to school for video production and every time you got a camera, you had to go through every single menu on the camera to figure out what the last person who used it had done so that your video wouldn't be screwed up in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Because otherwise yeah, you go absolutely. out to shoot something. And this is like back when, uh, I, I'm old. So when, when I went to school, Ooh. all the camera shot and the standard definition. Back, back in the dirt roads yeah. and the gravel classrooms. And people used to do this thing to make it look like it was widescreen, like, like a movie where they'd letterbox it in camera and that would just add a black bar at the top and bottom and just cut off some of the like video that you're shooting. And my arm would get so tired cranking that little wheel on that side of that camera. Yeah, so I mean, I'm really, really good with repetitive motions with my arm, so mm. it wasn't too hard for me. Steve's got forearms for days, guys. Forearms for days. Yeah, you'd have to like go through and do that because if you turn in a project where it was letterboxed, you would get docked because it looked terrible. But for some reason, there were certain students who would always do that. And now I always just thought they were like 
doing it because they didn't know what they were doing. Now I'm thinking it was nefarious. They were trying to screw up the other kids in the school and uh, screw them over on their grades. Yeah, makes sense. I'd do the same. Because you're a terrible <laughs> human being. All right. Um, so just to clarify, we both rename our files when we export JPEGs. to JPEGs. We rename our JPEGs, but we don't rename, we don't our, rename raw our raw files. files. And when we do that, the only way we know of to match those up is to actually go through and visually do it. Hopefully computers will get to the point where they can do it for you soon, though. Mm -hmm. But I don't really have a need to go back and match up my JPEGs with my raw files ever. Yeah, because your JPEGs are so sexy. Mm -mm -mm. I guess the only reason I could see doing that is if you have to go back and do more Photoshop work on one of your photos because the client requests something that was out of the purview of your original work, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's like the, the one reason I can see for doing that. If anybody knows of a different reason, write in and let us know. Uh, maybe perhaps you made a photo, you made a photo black and white and the client's like, ah, what am I from the 70s? Give me that color, baby. Make it color. In the 70s, they had color as well. Um, and we also deliver the color in the black and white version. We don't just deliver black and white or color unless, unless it was like really, really, really dark and our off camera flash broke. And so we had to just crank that ISO. Mm. Anyway, one last question. Is that cool with you? Mm. One more. It's all we want. Maravel from Facebook Groups says, who uses auto ISO while shooting manual? I just got a 5D Mark IV and have been trying it out. I love it. I've always been full manual. So I wanted to see if anyone has ever had trouble with it. No. Next. No, you don't do that, or no, you don't have trouble with it, but you do do that. Uh, I've I I'm college edu educated edu, edu, edu educated. I think is how you pronounce that. I don't know. I could let you just stumble over the word for a while longer. Educated, Stephen. Asshole educated. Asshole educated, and we were taught you don't ever turn that camera off a M for master mode. I don't think that's what M stands for. Because we are a master of photographer. Masturbator Dustin McKibben always leaves it on M. Master photographer Dustin McKibben uh, never shoots anything on auto. I would say this. If you throw it over to auto ISO, then you're not shooting on manual anymore. So I had a problem with the question from the get-go. Correct. Uh, I would not ever throw it onto auto ISO while shooting manual. That defeats the purpose of shooting manual. It has nothing to do with education or anything else. It just, it robs you of your control of what the image looks like. So why would you do that? And Steve and I are huge control freaks. I mean, mm, huge. Uh, But I do know several videographers who do shoot auto ISO. Those videographers are stupid. That's, it's worse to shoot auto anything with video than it is with photos. All right. I'll pass on your sentiment to them. Uh, when you're shooting video, if you leave anything exposure wise to auto, then while you're shooting, your exposure will fluctuate, which looks really, really bad when you're shooting. So you want to always be in control of what your exposure is. You want to manually change it and you don't want to change it unless it looks bad one and it needs to be changed or else you're going to have a bad image. Um, so it's like a thing, you just got to do it, and it doesn't matter that you don't have another camera rolling that you can cut to to get rid of the mistake that you're editing around, or you would edit around if you had another camera. Because 
it it looks so bad. It makes you look makes you look like you don't know what you're doing when it starts to fluctuate like that. And it it takes it from looking like a professional video to looking like a amateur, like a point a handy cam. Yeah, but I do think in some elements you can get away with it in wedding filmmaking simply because your clips are not typically long enough where it would per se matter as much. There might be a little variance here and there, uh, but nothing... Coming from the guy who just said he would never do it for still photos, I cannot believe you would ever say that for videos where you're going to need a four-second clip. And in that four-second clip, it could change three to five times. Correct. I didn't say I do it because I don't. Okay, so then stop saying that you could do it because you don't do it and you wouldn't recommend doing it. I just like playing devil's advocate, Steve. Just just want to see you sweat through that beautiful, beautiful flannel shirt you're wearing. It's an anger sweat. I'm so angry. Brings out the color of your red eyes. Says the guy advocating for the devil. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast with your hosts, Dustin and Steve. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Wedding Photo Hangover and on Twitter at Wedpick Hangover. You can find Dustin on Instagram at Dustin underscore McKibben. And you can find Steve everywhere at at Steven Van Elk. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time your head is pounding, your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being is aching for the sweet embrace of death. Mm. That's right, next Sunday, after you shoot another wedding. Boom, boom, boom. Thanks, Steve. So I cut all of your talk about the Ozarks out of the last episode. Did you finish this series yet? Do you, do you actually want to give like a yeah. succinct uh, idea of like what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it? Try to jazz people up on seeing this show? Uh, yeah. So it's sort of a... What? You cut everything out? Yeah, I'm going to cut this part out too. Man. Come on. Get to the point. Get to the point, buddy. Uh, so o- Ozark is a, uh, is, a, is a dark drama about uh, a family, an average family that gets in over their head, heads with uh, money laundering for a Mexican cartel. And it's sort of like a Breaking Bad, but a little bit darker. Sell me on it. Sell me on it. I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, there's a little bit more cinematic quality to it than most dramas on netflix or i should say they kind of follow that string of netflix originals where they put an emphasis on cinematic quality in their television there's also that great cinematic part where jason bateman is trying to smuggle some drugs um but he knows the cops are going to come and they're going to strip him naked so he they actually show him shoving all of the drugs up of his own butthole and you see all of his butthole while he does that and then there's like a 30-minute part of an episode where it, the camera just follows Jason Bateman's butthole while the cops are doing stuff to him to try to see if he has any drugs. And they're like making him do jumping jacks and making him do squats, just trying to get the drugs to pop out because none of the cops want to actually like reach up there. And so for 30 minutes, you're just staring at the brown eye. Uh, I think that might be a different series <laughs> that you're referencing there. Uh, not 100%. Maybe that's like a deleted episode I thought scene. it was some of the best butthole acting I've ever seen. I guess I don't wouldn't really have anything to compare it to, uh, but your viewing selections are a little wider than mine. And there's that other part where Jason Bateman's wife is just like snorting lines and lines of cocaine. Except it's not cocaine, it's just pixie sticks. So she just gets like real hyper. And then at the end, you find out she became diabetic and it's real sad Mm. and she loses her foot 
Mm. Mm. Yeah. You should go watch it, though. It's on Netflix for free if you pay for Netflix or know someone who does. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was a good show, though. Uh, full of buttholes and robot feet. Uh, or drugs and money laundering. Same thing. Depending on which version you watch. Is the money uh, in the banana stand? Always. Always in the banana stand, Stephen. Uh, I realize you haven't had any time to devour any television because you've been on an epic quest to become the most listened to podcaster in the world. Because you are firing up a new podcast. Well, you heard it here first, even though he's probably going to cut this out. If you touch your microphone stand one more time, I'm going to murder you. Steven is cheating on me and starting a new podcast. <laughs> you can't... You can't promo that. You can't pump it up. I know. We don't have an episode out yet. Mm. Let's make one right now, right here. I want to make an episode to you. Uh, I was mm. the warrior warlock running through the fields of Dainagotifinuomana. And you had so many drugs in the <laughs> warlock police were coming to get you. So you had to stuff them all up your butt. <laughs> that sounds like the perfect promo for your new podcast right there, Steve. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm just way too in love with myself, everyone. All of this is getting cut, so it doesn't matter. Doesn't, is there... I'm cutting this all. I'm <laughs> cutting it all. Is there all. anything else you wanted to talk about besides Jason Bateman's butthole? I'm, that, I'm just cutting that out. I am cutting that out of this podcast. See, you think it's so funny to say you're going to cut something out, but I cut, I cut it out every time you say you're going to cut something out. <laughs> I don't even want people to think <laughs> that you can joke around about being the person who edits the podcast. Someday you'll release the reins and let me edit this thing. Uh, that day can be today if you want to do it. <laughs> It'll take a whole new spin. There'll be like a ton of fart sounds and burp sounds in it. Is that what you're getting at? Yep. Just, Just every like time that. I'm talking, there's like a continuous fart sound underneath. That's how you'll know if Dustin's ever editing. All right, Dustin. It has been great talking with you tonight. Yep. I got a busy day tomorrow myself. I'll see you later, buddy. Bye, bud. She's listening to everything we say.